Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hey, y'all. So, before we jump into today, into today's episode, I wanted to share an update with you that I haven't had time to tell you, but it's a good time because we really need to tell everyone who's listening. Okay. Uh, which is basically that, well, we got a lovely message on social media from, I'm going to call him friend of the show. <laughs> Okay. If you get to say sweeties, <laughs> I get to say friend of the show. Okay. Anyways, but from a, a lovely person, Adam, about our first episode this season. So we had talked about the, this is the uh, Tour of Homes episode. And okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had some fantastic sarcasm from Anthony after like the ladies are going on and on about how they love the old South and who doesn't love the old South. And there were some cut lines in there. One, which when we were talking, we accidentally attributed to Charlene and he actually reached out to let us know that that line was actually Suzanne and he shared a clip from the DVD and he said, I know it's basically we had a conversation about how hard it is to tell from mm-hmm. the scripts online. Uh, and he said that we do a really good job, like attributing it to the right people. And because we do until we don't, a good job, <laughs> because we do such a good job, he thought that we would want to know, which I take it to mean that he's like, y'all really care. And we do. We care. Uh, and I, just to say which line it was, Anthony's basically like, uh, oh, yes, the fun of working in the field with 600 of my closest friends, us rattling our change rhythmically to one of those wonderful old spirituals. This is the cut line. And we thought Charlene said, that's nice, Anthony. I didn't know you felt that way. And it was really Suzanne. And Fascinating. Char- and I hear that now. Yeah, Charlene's in the background rolling her eyes. Fascinating. I hear that now. Yeah. I hear it now that he, he's pointing that out. Yeah. yeah, that makes me feel better. It do, same. And that's <laughs> it puts I'm, a different uh, different light on that little piece of the show. Yeah, thank you, because that, like, kind of made me go, huh, Ooh. dang it, Charlene. But it's, Suzanne expected. Right, right. It's one of my observations. I have an observation about Charlene in the next couple of episodes, um, and I think that piece of it might be stuck in the back of my head of this observation that I have about her. And that maybe is changing some things a little bit for me. Not too much, but a little bit. We'll, we'll get there, but that's helpful to know. I'm glad, I'm glad Adam shared that. I wonder if we're having similar feelings. I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. But so sorry, Charlene, we should have known better. And thank you, Adam, for filling in what Hulu takes away. Just so much, so yeah. much. And not to be rude, but like subs like scripts, uh, which is the website I pull from for cut lines. Like, couldn't they just add attributions? Yeah, yeah, that would be really I helpful. mean, would that be so hard for someone to sit down for every show of all time that they've used the subtitles for and just add It's so easy. How, I, like, also season five is in all caps. Yeah, it's which been is, very frustrating. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm already like a stressed out person by nature. So, like, I don't need you coming at me with all caps. Well, like an entire episode. I'm very sarcastically saying that about adding the attributions because when we get our transcripts back for each one of our episodes, sometimes the attribution is to the wrong person for us, like as we're doing the show. And I've tried really hard manually to correct them. And at a point I just give up and I'm like, is it critical for someone to know that Selena's the sarcastic one or that I'm the sarcastic one? Because it's interchangeable anyway. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think that's fair. Well, that's a good catch, Adam. Thank you. 
So speaking of, I don't know, you want to get into this episode? <laughs> I can't. Well, Adam kindly didn't put us on trial over that one. Oh, shoot. But you know who did go to trial? Oh, tell us. So this week's episode is called Miss Trial. The Hulu slash Selena description is Julia's dinner plans with former President Jimmy Carter and his wife Rosalind are put on hold when she's forced to serve on a slow moving sequestered jury. Meanwhile, Charlene enlists Suzanne and Anthony's help after winning a radio contest to participate in a 92 second shopping spree. This one aired October 15th, 1990. We're calling it Julia Gets Jury Duty. It's written by D. LaDuke and Mark Alton Brown and directed by David Trainer. So let's get into it. General reactions. Okay, well, you're going to love this because per many times, my very first general reaction, I had a thought about you, a passing thought. Now I have a question, oh. which is, did this episode give you some PTSD feelings? <laughs> that was my third general reaction was to ask you, actually, if you've ever been on jury duty. So what Selena's alluding to is I had jury duty earlier this year. Oh my gosh. Was it this year or was it last year? It better have been last year. Let's hope it was last yeah, year. I think it was last year. At some point in the last couple of years, yes, I had jury duty. We were not sequestered. It was for a full week, though, and I ended up the jury foreperson. And I lost my voice from trying to get them to come to a consensus on the verdict. It was like, I, I think I talked for like 10 straight hours just trying to be like, can someone tell me why you're not voting? I felt very much like Julia, but without the attitude until we got to the bitter end. Um, but yeah, there was a little PTSD in it. I think there were a couple of people in Julia's trial that were fairly similar. Like in my trial, people were just like asking hypothetical questions and like, but what if this happened? And I was like, but that didn't happen. So that's irrelevant to this fact here. People don't understand what they're there to decide. I had to reread what the people were being charged with like 15 times because they were like, but I don't think he murdered the guy. I'm totally making that up. But he's like, how do you murder the guy? I'm like, we're not trying anyone for murder here. This has nothing to do with murder. Why are we talking about murder? They just truly don't know why we're there. One guy left. One guy left. We all had to wait um, for after they did jury selection. This was like the first day of the trial. One guy just straight up left. He was halfway up 316. And they were like, um, you need to come back. Because we have to bring the jury together. So we all had to wait 40 minutes for this man to come back. And he was he had been selected as the alternate. And so he thought that meant he got to go home. The alternate has to stay through the entirety of the trial in case they get called in. Okay, yeah, that really sucks. Now, let so me ask a lot. you, was yours about a sperm bank? Mine was not. Okay, and I won't ask you to say anymore. <laughs> it was sad. I cried all, the whole drive home after we made our... I remember it being sad. That's why, not that I knew anything about it. That's why I would prefer to not go into that part of your brain. But Oh, I've moved on now. Yeah. I think we made the right call, but it was just, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. The person we were talking about was a relatively young person, and so it's just like someone's... It wasn't life or death, but someone's life, there was, Could be there was implications there. Yeah. So, yeah, I watching this episode, triggered is probably the right word. Yeah. Have you had jury duty before? I'm looking uh, <laughs> She's trying to knock on something. Yeah. <laughs> you've, have you ever been called? You've never been. This was like my fourth time. I got. I have other things. I don't know. <laughs> of course, you have other things too. So I got. And when called. I mean other things, I mean bad luck. 
I got called twice in college. I got out of it because I had classes. Mm-hmm. I got called once while I was working and they just didn't, they didn't call me back. Like the way it works is they put you in a big room and they call out these numbers. And if they don't call your number, you get to go home. So I sat for like an hour and I got to go home. But this time, man, we went, we went, we went all the way. I went all the way into the courtroom, all the way through jury selection. It was, a. it was a lot. My tip for folks would be if you are selected to be on a jury, unless you want to be a jury for person. And I think Charlene Frazier Stillfield is the only person in the world that's like, I want to do that. Just look down, look down at the carpet, wait for someone else to say something. Because I said after five minutes of silence, so does anyone want to volunteer? And they said, you did. And I was like, no, uh, that wasn't intentional. Mm. I was just trying to not sit in silence any longer. That's the same old life lesson though, right? Like who blinks first? Yeah. Yeah. It's the dual rules. Dual (laughs) That took me a second to process. Yeah, uh, you haven't participated in a lot of duels. <laughs> well, I can tell you that the lone holdout man, if they've got a concert to get to that night, they make a decision quickly when you hit six o'clock. Yes, that's right. Well, so you bring up a good person. The one person in the world who would be very excited about that position is Charlene. And I will just go ahead and say that's my second reaction is mm-hmm. that, and I say this with all of the love in my heart, uh, Charlene was testing my patience in this episode for real. So, yes, 100%. Snitches <laughs> wind up in ditches. She, she hits a string of annoying in the next couple of episodes that I've never seen before. And I hate that they leaned into that part of her personality because it it was really frustrating. On that note, though, I thought Julia's attitude about being called for jury duty and being so, like, uppity about the whole thing was equally as annoying oh i have thought <laughs> i don't know anyone's being their best self in not, this episode not in this episode well yeah. i mean other people are fine <laughs> other people are just overshadowed yeah but like it's really like um a do du- a duel between like charlene and julia like it's kind of both of their episodes mm. to some extent and i i don't think either one of them are a shining example but it's a it's a lot of fun I, I really, I'll go ahead and just say I really like this episode, actually, but there were some pain points for me as well. Yeah, it was just so random. That was my second general reaction, was just how random and uppity Julia was about the whole thing. I happen to be a very civic-minded person when it's convenient for me, basically, is what she was saying, and that just really irked me. Fair enough. Um, absolutely fair. That said, though, yeah, don't we think Suzanne was the absolute best choice to do the running of the record store with Charlene? Yeah, I think that was a good choice. She's, she's good at grabbing and snatching in stores, and I appreciated that they acknowledged that part of her personality. Yeah, every, you gotta you gotta use people to their strengths. I'm also glad Anthony got like a piece of it, mm-hmm. got himself in there somehow. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Yeah, and also I want to say, like, going back to Julian, this is my last general reaction, but it was something I thought about the whole episode, which is, like, you know, they're playing Julia's threats to Charlene and later the jury is funny, and and there are some really good lines in there. Honestly, there really are. But I'm just going to say, to be clear, I don't think the Carters would approve (laughs) of any of the things that she was saying to any of these people. That's it. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Julia was in a, she was in a rough spot. I was actually curious, moving into strays, Uh I was actually curious how she figured out what hotel they were in. 
so that she could go have drinks with them. I know that's like TV magic, but like she gets these flowers. She reads the card. The card said nothing about what hotel they were in. As far as we know, she didn't get a phone call. So how'd she figure it out? I wonder if she was already meeting them there before they were going to go out for dinner. And so she knew for that reason. But yeah, I mean, none of that ever makes any sense. I did like the string of throwbacks that Charlene shared when the county marshal was there, the time she mooned the whole room, the time she drove through the porno stand. I know it was obnoxious, but it was also a really funny throwback. And to remind you of how many times Julia has been in it with the rest of them. Like her hands are never clean in any of these things. That's right. Yeah. Um, I So we're in strays now. And my first one is actually about the mime. The street performing mime. Oh, mm-hmm. I think that sounds ridiculous. Not a mime. Whatever. You do you. But a street performer in Atlanta in the 90s, I don't believe it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not really that kind of city. Um, and in fact, you know, and please tell me all about the street performances that you see around the country. But the only place I've ever seen them, and they're highly monetized, is in New York City. Like, we don't really have that busker thing that they do in Europe. So, mm-hmm. and I think there probably a lot of places have probably ordinances that keep that from happening. Mm-hmm. So, if you are upset about the hotel and how did she know to get there, I'm like, what mime? There's no mimes. There's no mimes. What else you got? Um, so, there was a weird cut. Uh, you can tell by Nikki's silence, she's also bothered. Go on. What I was going to, I was going to uh, um, share some potential thoughts about how that could have been true. And then I realized that's not helpful at all. We, d- we don't know. But yeah, there's not a lot of mimes in the city of Atlanta. Uh, there was a weird cut after Mary Jo says that, of course, she'll be at the record store grab. And maybe listener Adam can tell us if I get this right. I may oh, not. Yeah. Yeah. Help um, us, Adam. Help us. But they cut to Charlene making sort of a kind of confused face looking at Suzanne. Um that's because Charlene had said Julia should have a share too. And Suzanne replied, why? Because she's having to be on that jury. Oh, big woo. So she's got to sit around a courtroom. Why should we feel sorry for her? And then I think that Mary Jo comes in with a line, um, something about Julia. But it was just, there was, I, I was watching, I was like, why is she making that face? It's so irrelevant to the conversation they'd been having. It's because there was a cut line. Okay. So, yeah, that happens. Frequently. Indeed. (laughs) Well, who needs to really understand things, you know? Uh, So I think one thing that hit me was Charlene not including Mary Jo in the radio contest felt Mm. like kind of another little ding in their friendship lately, Mm. especially coming off the heels of the episode with um, where they invented telework. Mm -hmm. So that one, you know, kind of hit me as like just this other thing that, makes me think that we might carry this on a little bit into the season. And then it's, I, I don't know, I'm two minds about it, because it's kind of silly for Mary Jo to be upset when she she was like, this is, she basically was saying it's dumb. Mm-hmm. And then she got left out and she was like, well, not me? <laughs> 100% transparency? I'm just as guilty. I was going to say, I can't cast stones on that one, because, yeah, I, I, I want to be included. When you love your friends, you want to be with them. I, think. I mean, I just don't want to be left out. There is one time I was legitimately okay with it. And it was a concert. And it was when Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block. Mm. And I was like, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. And all my friends went without me. And I was like, I'm fine. 
I've seen Backstreet Boys before. I, I could survive without seeing them again. And it's not like, whatever. I know some people are just like, have been 25 Uber fans. It was just never, it was fine. They're fine. It was, it was just never a me thing. Nobody likes, nobody likes the feeling of being left out though. Most yeah. of the time. That's right. But that's weird. That's how much I did not care. It's like the one time that I was like, eh. So it's whatever. interesting that um, you say that about their friendship because I think, I think Mary Jo just assumed it would be her. Like, why would it be Suzanne? Charlene and Suzanne are very good friends. Yeah. Anthony probably didn't even cross her mind. Julia's busy. So she just assumed it would be her. And somehow that's worse when you make an assumption and then it doesn't come and yeah. they pick someone else. And then you're like, ooh, I thought we were the besties here. That's right. Mm, my feelings were hurt for her. Yes. 92 Rock. Okay. That's the name of the rock station that she was doing the thing for. I've only ever known of 96 Rock in Atlanta. I can't, I couldn't find a 92 Rock. There's 92.9, which is Dave FM now, I think. Mm -hmm. But I don't sports know radio, 92 right? Rock. It's 92.9 Sports Radio. The game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, what was Dave FM? Well, I think maybe it's his station. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I think it's the same. Uh, yeah, I looked like really briefly and I was like, this is bridge too far. You know, they just pulled this out of their butts. Mm -hmm. Well, I went with 96 rock because I did actually listen to that growing up mm -hmm. a sure. lot. Yeah. Classic rock. And then there were a couple more cuts in the record store that I think dated the episode a little bit more. There was a Randy Travis reference and a heavy metal reference. There was some, there was more banter between the ladies as they were grabbing records than what we saw. Mm, okay. Yeah. That would have, I would have liked that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good because that was kind of the best part of the episode for me. It really was. Yeah. Well, um, and Julia in the room with the um, with the other jurors because I've had that experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wish I could be here. Nice. I mean, it wasn't nice, <laughs> but it was enjoyable. It was uh, well done. Do you have any other strays? Mm -mm. Okay. So my only other stray is that throwing all that stuff in the buggy looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. Like it just seemed like the best time the ever. The part where she took her arm and just like scraped all of That's them down dream, and right? yeah. 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 So speaking of that contest, can we uh sidebar about these? <laughs> <laughs> That's my voice going up to levels only dogs can hear. It's a sidebar, Selena sidebar. She's got a keyboard looking for a reward by digging deep in the obscure. Taking us on a detour. What you got, Selena? In Selena's sidebar. All I want to do is dance to it. <laughs> it's a very weird dance. I was thinking, it's like, what do you call the Russian dance? Yeah. That's what it looked like. <laughs> That's what I felt like. Good, good. good. I'm, glad, I'm glad I was giving off exactly what was going through my head. So, so like, we both think it sounds like a good time. And I was just going to, I was actually going to ask you, but I kind of already knew. Cause you're like, I think of you as a person who really appreciates music and on a deeper level, you know, including your love for handhelds. Where is this going? Like your compact disc collection. Oh <laughs> no, I just mean like if someone's really going to appreciate it, it would be someone like you who appreciates all those artifacts of music as well, you know. And I also identify with Charlene saying they just really love free stuff. Yeah. So yeah. for both reasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although on the other side of that, I also know that you don't like clutter. I don't like clutter. So it's a tough balance. Let me tell garbage. you, it's a really tough balance. It is. So I, for me, I think I like it, I'll just say, because 
I like self-competition. Mm-hmm. And it's really me against the clock. I don't like competing against other people because it brings out the monster. <laughs> and let's be honest, who hasn't fantasized about going into a store and taking anything you want? Like you said, scraping their arm across and taking all that down. It is, in fact, a legal robbery. You know? That's correct. It just yeah. sounds like a good time. You're, You're like frying the... Um, the- Cash register off the counter. Yes. So take whatever you want. Well, and I think that's human nature taken over, right? <laughs> Burn it down! Wait, that. That, what? Whoa! Suzanne, Woo. like, rips her shirt off, starts a fire, <laughs> ties it around her head. Uh, <laughs> She's got war paint on her cheeks. It's been known to happen, you know? <laughs> so this whole subplot had me thinking about those disaster radio promotions, and mm. I swear they creep into the news cycle, like, every few years. So, what I'm essentially doing is taking you down the dark Google hole that I normally find myself in, and this time, <laughs> you have to come along with me. Uh, it, now, I will say, I dug up the three of the best and worst that I can find, with the caveat that they're not really the worst, because if they were the worst, it'd be like your jury duty time. That story was sad. A lot of these stories got <laughs> Real sad, real fast. Oh, no. Nope. Like, it feels like we have enough of that energy in the world. (laughs) So we're going to go lighter. So if some of you are like, I know of a worse one, we know you do. (laughs) We know you do. There are worse ones. But let's start with the best, you know, and work our way to the worst. Because that's life, isn't it? Okay. The first one that I found is called Million Dollar Head in the Sand. This one happened at Two Day FM in Australia in the run up to the 2011 Twilight movie Breaking Dawn Part 1. Don't lie. You know you were in the theater. You know you were. Yes, I I was. I was too. (laughs) I was in the theater. That was one of those supporting a friend's moments. Oh, yeah, I was supporting myself by this point. So it was a, a, a terrible little wonderful beach read and I got sucked in and I'm not proud, but I'll stand up and say I did it. I like the books. I thought the movies yeah. were kind of terrible. Yeah, but, like, I needed to see it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I get that. Not the point. <laughs> the Twilight podcast. So, according to Grand Prize Promotions, the station had buried bags of mon- money on Bondi Beach. Go ahead. Try and say that five times fast. Contestants then had five minutes to dig up as many bags as possible with their hands or shovels. It didn't matter. One woman found five. She could only open two. The first bag, $1 million. And I'm just saying, like, that's a really big radio prize. You know, you could really do a lot with that. And she didn't really have to go through any hardship. And I feel like sometimes they really want to put you through the ringer. So that's why I put this one in the Well, they want to make you earn it. That's right. They want to make it worth their time and yours. Well, you know, to make people interested to listen, you know. But anyway, so I thought that was a nice one because that's just like easy money. Now I kind of wish we'd ended with the, the good ones. Uh, uh-huh, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Uh, what get what I, you get. Yeah, you get what you get. What if I told you that you could have won a free wedding? Nikki, would this have been of interest to you? Yeah. Okay. Unless it was something stupid, like Shh. you have to go to Panama City, you have to yeah. go on this one beach, and it has to be at noon, in which case I think I'd bypass it. Okay. I'd just go well, to town what hall. if I told you that you had to be naked? I'd bypass it. You bypass Just go to it. town hall. Okay, so this is 
an exact contest that BRMB Radio in Birmingham, England ran in 2011. I don't know what was going on in 2011. In 2011 and the international radio stations. They yeah. really upped the ante. I will tell you that based on my research that was not very deep or thorough, <laughs> that Australia sounds like their radio contests are wild. I think that place is the, the wild, Maybe wild west. Wild. They just, yeah, they do whatever they want in Australia. Uh, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, except like for it. the bugs. I'm scared of the bug situation there. They're like oh. all deadly. It's like it bites you and then you die. And then the kangaroos, they look so cute, but really they'll punch, punch you in you. the face mm. while the bugs are eating you alive. <laughs> and the radio promotion people are just attacking <laughs> you, just punching you in the face. Badalas. Um, anyway, so sorry, sidebar in the sidebar, if you will. Uh, the lucky couple, Kelly Clinton and Lee Wiggins, received 65% of the listener vote. Up to this point, they've been unable to marry because of the expense, so they jumped at the opportunity. So that's why I'm including it here. It's not for everyone, but they got their free wedding. Maybe it's a little silly. They got married naked, or the contest was to be naked? They got married naked. Wow. So, well, they did allow him to wear a top hat strategically. <laughs> Do with that what you will. And she was allowed to wear a veil. And what the article put as some barely there underwear. Wow. See, getting married, half the fun of getting married is the dress. Uh So I do feel like she got a little ripped off. She needed a veil that had to cover her. But some brides aren't as excited about the dress. I feel like everybody has like a thing and not everyone is like all about the dress, but I'm with you. It would have been a no go for me, but for this couple to put it in the best because they couldn't get to that wedding and now they were able to. And number three, oh, shut your face. I know. (laughs) Number three, this is my segment. If I want to call it the best, I'll call it the best. Number three, this last one is pretty wild and why I saved it for the last of the best. 99% Invisible called it the greatest radio contest of all time. And I'm inclined to agree because it's so nutty. Okay. So this is the story of the Billboard Boys. The You'll Love to Live With Us contest, which began in 1982, was the brainchild of WSAN, which was an AM station, I think they still are a station, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So they were overhauling the radio station and attempting to draw in new listeners with the promise of a single-wide modular home, then worth $18,000. Today, it's worth $57,000. Three contestants would come Pete for the new home by seeing who could stay on a platform about 30 feet in the air under a WSAN billboard for the longest amount of time. Okay. The contestants were Dalton Young, Ron Kistler, and Mike McKay. There were over half a million entries. These guys were excited because they accounted for 52,000 of them. Good Lord. Yeah. So obviously multiple entries was acceptable. See, one thing that you have to understand in the background here is that the country was in a terrible recession at this time. So plants were closing their doors, unemployment had skyrocketed, and interest rates had reached 20%. Allentown had been particularly hard hit. All to say, contestants were very motivated for this home. The official contest kicked off on September 20th, 1982. Now keep that in mind because that timeline, you're going to want to remember when it was. In case you're curious about what that living condition space was under the billboard, it was basically an eight foot by 48 foot scaffold. 
Each person received a tent, chemical toilet, phone, and radio. They each got a third of the area, which was divided by waist-high partitions. And they also each had to have a support team to help them with the food and cleanup, uh, which was done with a pulley system. That basically means they're putting bathroom yeah up mm-hmm. and down the pulleys okay so i would not be someone's support team I and mean, i was gonna say and like their friend or their cousin or somebody had to be the one willing to do it right i mean that's a big ask so november rolls around again they started in september the contest is still happening billy joel releases the song allentown which brings attention to the area then in december the wall street journal ran a story about the contest between the song and the article the whole nation and even other parts of the world have turned their attention to these three men they endured a low of zero degrees and a snowstorm that shut down the whole city and yet they stayed and on day 184 one of them had to leave because of what I'm going to call a ridiculous drug charge. Oh, <laughs> so, no. Yeah, so basically he was approached by someone on the ground. I guess, so I think it was so popular that people were coming to see them. And some sure. people would try and talk to them. And they would have conversations, like with loved ones who would come and that were supporting them. But also with just strangers. And one guy approached him. And they struck up a conversation and, oh, you were in the military? Oh, I was in the military or something along those lines. And uh, so Dalton gives him two joints. Oh. And the guy is like, let me give you $20. And he was like, no, man, don't worry about it. He insists on it and then arrests him for being a drug dealer. That's messed up. Because he was an undercover agent. That's messed up. Feels like there's probably... They were trying to get that contest to end. Something's going. Oh, I like that. That's a. That's what the city paid them to do. Oh my goodness. That's correct. Oh my goodness. Ron. They and, wanted that billboard space back. They they needed it. Well, apparently it really was a thorn in the city's side. So it's funny. I'm sure. To so Ron and Mike kept going for an additional two months after the other guy gets pulled out, and on day two hundred and sixty-one. These men stayed up there 261 days. We've reached June 7th, 1983, and the contest sponsors threw in the towel. They gave them both a home, good. a Chevy Chevette, and a free vacation. Oh, that's good. So I like this one the best because, first of all, it just blows my mind how long they were able to do that. Like, I go through something for like five minutes, and I'm like, it's so long. Make it stop. But also because... This scenario really inadvertently brought attention to the economic hardship that many Americans were facing at the time, and simply to live out the part that part of the American dream, which is to own your own home. And I think it really was shining light on the fact that while we call that the American dream, and it is easier to achieve maybe here than in some places, it's really quite tough because these men were willing to do all of that to get this mobile home for free. Did they not have jobs? Uh, all different circumstances. Um, and I don't remember all of them. I never understand how these people can just walk away from a job for like a year to go sit and hope for a free house. Yeah. It just feels easier to have a job. I always think that with TV contests. Yeah. I'm like, you're just going to go join Hell's Kitchen. You're just going to quit your job. But some people, they're brave like that. They take chances. Me, I'm a wimp. I need the job security. I'm staying where I am and I'll just figure it out. Yeah, I I have more thoughts. But this feels very familiar to me. Like, Mm -hmm. there was an Atlanta contest that was similar to this. In a car, maybe? Yes. Mm -hmm. I was Googling it while you were talking because I was trying to find it. There's one 
very similar to this, where they sat in the car for like a really long time. Yeah, maybe it was like Star 94 or something. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe that was it. Yeah, like, like I want to say over a month or something. Maybe? It was a long time. And it's been a long time ago. Maybe it was like back in the 90s or something. 2007, student lives in SUV. This is, the, this is my UGA newspaper, the red and black, oh, for go. a month to win a new ride. Jessica Winhunt from Douglasville thought it was worth losing a month of her summer to give it a try. She now lives in a Mercury Mariner located in the middle of Alpharetta's North Point Mall as part of Wheel World, a contest in its fourth year by Atlanta radio station Star 94. Hmm. Okay, that, that felt very familiar to me. Thank you for solving that. Oh, uh, I don't know I did, but Star 94, I feel like I remember them always running stuff like that. Them and The Burt Show. Oh, yeah, that's true. So um, I'm the the worst ones are going to be a, a little bit simpler, but I want to start with 101.3 KDWB. They're killing me with these call letters. But this is Minneapolis-St. Paul. I'm calling this one the blimpless blimp scandal. So according Uh-oh. to Radio Info in 1987, The radio station KDWB had spent nearly a million dollars on the concept and marketing for this KDWB blimp. Now, that's almost $3 million today. That's a lot of money. It was a blimp that, this is kind of like the background for it, that had circled the globe and was now headed for the Twin Cities. And it was filled with prizes. They'd even created like this whole mythos around it that it was... (laughs) Captained by an explorer named Benjamin Franklin Dover. Ben Dover. Dover. (laughs) These guys kidding. Anyways. And crewed by a Nordic goddess named Aurora and her silent partner, Captain Vague. All right. So at first I was like, how high are these people? But it's like Minnesota Vikings lore and all of that is big. So at least I kind of get it. It took a long time for that. I had to give this article three runs because I was like, I don't understand what is happening right now. Anyways, at this time, it's like pre-internet, but the arrival was promoted everywhere else that it could be at the time. So it's like a total blitz. Newspapers, TV, billboards that all said, it's coming. The city was were covered in vehicles wrapped in signage that said blimp ground crew. They also played up the blimp's adventures as it made its way there and released daily clues for listeners to answer. The dig, the big day finally rolled around and everyone turned their eyes to the skies. But alas, the blimp never came. Only these vehicles full of people dressed in capes and goggles running up to strangers and handing out vouchers for things like free toasters. My inference is that KDWB became the town's laughing stock for a very long time. And according to CPR promotions, the station's program director had been against it from the start. He thought it was a waste of money, and but he was outvoted. And when it came to the actual blimp, which they knowingly didn't have, the marketing team had basically told him as the day drew closer that they'd, quote, Figure it out. Jeez Louise. And if that doesn't give you PTSD for other things that might happen to you from time to time, I don't know. We'll just figure it out. We'll do it live. It's not easy to be the lone voice. You know what I'm saying? I do. These are the last two. We'll go through them very quickly. I'm calling this one, wait, 
That isn't Mountain Dew. The year 1999, station KOMP 92.3 FM in Las Vegas had Motley Crue tickets up for grabs. DJ Greg McFarlane. Sure they did. It's probably coming in a blimp. DJ Greg McFarlane decided the, the contest. All participants had to do was drink a few ounces of his urine. Oh. <laughs> Three contestants showed up to do it. Three back down, and then, according to McFarlane, quote, the fourth guy walks in, pushes everyone out of the way, and throws it back like it was a Pepsi. Dude does win the tickets. McFarlane was fired. Toot to sweet. No kidding. I was going to say that feels like a health violation of some kind. Oh, my gosh. It's just disgusting. The, what was happening with the radio back then? The radio and MTV used to do weird things, too. That's just like, I just don't understand, like, Ugh, we just done it all. Yeah, everyone's just gonna have to drink my pee. That's the only <laughs> thing that's left. <laughs> Whatever happened to McFarland? Where is he today? I uh, I don't know. It's a they find new jobs. Tale. They do. Yeah, a lot of them become realtors. A lot. <laughs> Real well, there There's always there's always a path forward. You know, <laughs> it's a triumph story. Really, a comeback. Um, finally, our most painful installment goes to the man who had the word mini tattooed on his penis to win a mini Cooper. To be clear, unlike the last didn't one. Didn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. German radio station RTL 89.0 did not require that. <laughs> we didn't even ask you to do that. Rather, they just said they give it to whoever performed the craziest stunt. Oh, Okay. This man now has a tattoo and a Mini Cooper. Lucky him. No one will ever see the tattoo. So. <laughs> well, there you go. And then look at you coming in with all the penis jokes. <laughs> and then finally, in case this has you all, all I want to do is enter a radio contest now. We'll link to some tips. That's T-I-P as in Paul S. And now Nikki, we know you love a good radio contest. Sure. But what do you like about this episode? You said it a couple minutes ago. I don't know that I've had a scene in this show that I like more than the record store crab. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked a lot before about how sometimes it really plays well to just hear how a situation went versus seeing it. Yes. This was one I had to see, and I'm so glad I got to see it. I'm a little cheesed off that there were pieces of it that were cut out by Hulu and yeah. Adam. Like, if you just want to send us the full scene, that'd be great. Um, I'm a little upset about that, but uh, I think the parts I got to see, like that last part, I was not expecting them to jump up and try to take the cash register and when she started pulling on it I laughed out loud every single time I watched it yeah I just love that so much yeah it was a fantastic scene um I really like that in this episode the show poked at itself and a little bit at Charlene when she said all I ever wanted to be was a wife and a mother a career woman a country western singer and to serve on a jury <laughs> like I, I'm glad they're acknowledging it because you and I have had this conversation where we're like I thought she wanted to be how a, many life dreams does she have a, you know and I'm not one to put you have honey you have as many dreams as you want to and, well once a week I'm like what I really want to do is start a bed and breakfast in Vermont you know so you do that but like also acknowledge the fact that maybe you're being ridiculous like I do too (laughs) yeah I liked that the cold open tied in with the main storyline so in the very beginning Mary Jo is reading this really silly column of like crazy criminals and that ends up being the thing that puts the nail in the coffin for Julia after all was said and done uh so I appreciated that right 
And it is like a really good organic thing that I feel like cities have. Like, um, yeah, creative loafing definitely had one. Um, and, uh, and it was like, you know, sarcastic and sardonic and all of that. Yeah. Um, I just like that also that we get a payoff with the cold open. I like, I think I realized historically I have issues with cold opens because I'm like, what is the point? I don't understand the point because it doesn't always tie into the episode. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that this one was useful. Mm-hmm. It was a useful seven minutes of my life. Yeah. Well, they really shouldn't be super long. And when they are, I don't know that you're nailing a cold open, in my opinion, unless it's re- like when I think of a solid show that really nails cold opens it's the office like it's always good and it's Mm -hmm. always really funny and it usually has nothing to do with the episode but like they really know what they're doing if you go on for five minutes it's not it's a scene you know uh i really liked the i know i said that i'm I'm gonna have some problems with julia in this episode but really did still make me laugh after she was sequestered and what she said to Charlene on the phone. She says, I'm going to hunt you down like a dog. I'm talking about you running through the woods with bloodhounds ripping your clothes off. Remember, I have your address. You'd be wise to ask yourself, do I know where my baby is? And all that's really inappropriate. (laughs) But it's a sitcom and it plays well there. Two, both of her rants, the mini one against Charlene and then sort of like her mega one against the jurors, I appreciated both of them. Well, and I think it's a thing too, like it can't just be the writing, it has to be the delivery and Dixie Carter is really good at these kinds of things. It's why she gets given these lines and she does, she says, uh, pull up to the table and mark your ballots and if you don't mark them right, I'm going to rip that fire extinguisher off the wall and blow your overfed under red, simple-minded butts out onto the Fair Price Motel parking lot. And it's like the thing... Which is certainly not the nicest hotel she's ever seen. It is not. <laughs> um, and I think... But, like, there's something... It's gratifying because it's this thing that most of us know is not something that you should do, but it's, like, the thing that maybe kind of, sort of, but definitely probably is running through your head a lot of the times. And so there's something that's, like... It feels good to see someone else do it. I get the benefit of seeing Julia play out what I would have loved to play out as the jury for a person. And I think mine is more the example of what a normal person does, which is like, hey, guys, we've been thinking about this for about eight hours. And some of you have now changed your mind three times. And now I'm not even sure what you're arguing for. So we're going to go person by person and everyone's going to tell us why they're voting the way they are. And then I would love someone to argue with them. So that we can get to the bottom of this. Meanwhile, Julia just threatens them. Yeah. Feels faster. Yeah. I think it was a little faster. Uh, anything else in your likes category? I have so many lines that I liked in this one. Yeah. Um, you've touched on a couple of them. One of my favorites was when Charlene tells her like, oh, no, the dinner with the Carters conflicts with the record store grab. And Julia says, that certainly puts me on the horns of a dilemma. <laughs> the way she <laughs> delivered that was so funny. Yeah. Um, and then I told you earlier the part where she was, they were like, um, I had no idea you all love music so much. Oh, we don't. We just love free stuff. I identify with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia says, y'all have not influenced me. I never listen to what y'all say anyway. I don't even respect you. I promise. Don't worry. When she was trying to convince Charlene not to turn her in. Right. Um, 
And when Charlene realizes Julia is driving without a license, she says, well, for my baby's sake, I'm going to let this one slide. Smart woman. (laughs) It only took her 22 minutes. Boy, oh boy. What about things you didn't like? Charlene. I would be so, so mad at her if I were Julia. It was like, I think where I I could feel my eye twitching and I was like, well, this isn't even funny. I just want to smack her a little yeah. bit was when she answered the phone with the, oh. and I was like, I mean, now <laughs> she's not good at reading the room, is she? Not in this episode. <laughs> that was honestly the only thing in the whole episode. It was really hard to get past. She was very obnoxious. Well, and I think I, like, I'm serious. It almost hurts my heart to say that because yeah. I've just grown to love that character so much. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, what's happening here? They're just, the next couple of episodes, they're really dragging her through the mud, making it hard to enjoy her. So for me, I only had, I had to sit with it for a while because I couldn't figure out, like, Julia's making me laugh, but at the same time, like, she is, like, for you, it's Charlene, and even though I'm, like, annoyed by Charlene, Julia was really the, the parts there, like, it wasn't adding up for me, um, I didn't really, I just felt so uh, frustrated with her in this episode, and I think I figured out what's going on, so I don't mind the threats, because that's played for comedy, and it's also, like, high drama and ridiculous, right, um, I think where it loses me and we've is and you touched on this a little bit already, but I'm going to call it a superiority complex. And, you know, you mentioned the, I don't, I don't even respect you line. And it was really funny because the delivery was really funny. I think what's not funny is that she I actually really think, I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think she absolutely said what was the truth on her heart. <laughs> and I was like, that's not very nice. And then I, understood where she was coming from with the jury duty piece, but to call out an old lady for her bladder pads (laughs) (laughs) and then also basically tell everyone you're important and fancy and they're not. Yeah. I I was just like, okay, you're just, (laughs) you're not very likable in this episode. Yeah. So that was mine. All right. Are you ready to rate the sucker? I'm ready. All right. What you going to give it? Uh, so my rating scale is relentless, inconvenient jury duty summons, and I'm going to give it four out of five. So I think this episode had a lot of things that I really love. There was crime. I <laughs> there was somebody got killed. I love that. Um, Julia got sort of called out for being hypocritical in the sense that as watchers, as viewers, we were able to be like, oh my gosh, why is she being so uppity about this whole thing? But she's also civic minded, and I just love when. Um, we see that about Julia, mm-hmm. uh, Charlene running off at the mouth, sitting there with the, um, the deputy sheriff or whatever that person's title the was. Marshall. That was the marshal. Thank you. That was really funny to me. I like Charlene and Suzanne tag teaming on what is ultimately a zany adventure and Anthony getting his little cut of it all. I thought all that was great. I think that, um, this thing with Charlene is really hard for me to get past. I gave Julia a pass on some of the things now that I'm like, if I read that, um, what everything she said to each one of those jurors, I might start to feel a little bit bad about it. I gave her a pass cause it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess she, she was not very nice either. Yeah. So four yeah. out of five. I mean, if you're going to be mean, be hilarious. <laughs> so maybe that's you know, the lesson. I don't know. And I think it's some of her rants. One of the things that makes them so powerful sometimes is she doesn't resort to calling people names. 
necessarily. Like she's maybe just a little more witty than that, I think. Mm -hmm. So maybe this one's a little bit more of a low blow than other ones have been. But unless you've been in that room with dumb people for eight hours, you don't know how how far it will push you. That's true. Although some could argue that five times a week, maybe you're surrounded by people who drive you nuts for eight hours. That's true. Just a guess. I don't I don't know. I gave it five out of five record store blueprints. I may have not cared for Julia's haughtiness in Haughtiness. Haughtiness. Hot. Um haughtiness. <laughs> Excuse me. But overall, I think it's just a solid rewatchable. You know? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't I'm sorry, but that just doesn't always happen for me with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one that like and again, I think it's because of the deep read that we have to do on it. I probably feel differently if we weren't breaking it down <laughs> bone by bone, but uh, definitely one that I enjoy watching on multiple occasions. And then again, great writing, great delivery, and just had a ton of fun with the radio subplot. And for all those reasons, five out of five. Wow. 90s things? The entire record store experience is 90s. From the cassettes to the records to the posters, everything they grabbed, generally the concept of a a record store being part of a radio contest. I feel like all of that was 90s. Uh, Madonna tickets was something that Charlene said she wouldn't do the contest for, but that feels really 90s that Madonna tickets would have been a radio contest Mm -hmm. uh, stakes. And then uh, Julia said she had a nasty permanent that looked like the governor pardoned her. (laughs) Sorry. Couldn't get through it without laughing. That looked like the governor pardoned her just after they threw, <laughs> after they threw the switch. After they threw the switch. <laughs> perms. Very 90s. <laughs> I'm trying to say perms. Oh, goodness. Gotcha right in the snucker. The image of it all is so funny. Yeah. That's, that's Those are my 90s things. Okay. Uh, just Mary Jo's fascination with the sperm bank. <laughs> like, it just felt like they hadn't been around that long. Because I feel like they're you know, pretty yeah, standard enough. I don't know that I'd laugh for like 10 minutes over one. So, you know, making it into almost like a novelty. Uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing at the governor. Going this <laughs> <way>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least I, I don't think sperm banks are that funny. You can think whatever you want to think is funny. That's the beauty of humor. Real prime 90s fashion here. So I actually do have these today. The one that stood out to me is Delta's fuchsia purple top with the loose fitting teal green suit jacket on top. I swear my mom had this exact same outfit in the 90s. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, It's almost like this silky rayon material. It looks like water would just slide right off of it. Yep. Just saw those a lot. I'm pretty sure my mom had a full-on sweatsuit in that color scheme. But it really was, like, waterproof. and <laughs> It's like the... It, it the jacket the and matching pants. Epitome of 90s colors, I think. Yeah. Um, and I really like them. They just timestamp. And then I loved Charlene's second outfit. This picture's not that great, but I'm hoping maybe this will help you remember it a little bit. Mm. So she's wearing like an ice blue, it almost looks like a halter top, but with this beautiful like ashen color jacket, almost like the color of her hair. Mm-hmm. And I just think she looks so good in that really, really light color. Um, I would do anything to like be able to pull off those light colors, which I totally can't do. Anyways, but she looks really nice. 
And then my very favorite is Julia in the jury duty room, rocking it mm. like Cruella DeVille. De yeah. She's wearing this white, dramatic white lapel on one side of her black suit. And, oh, my God, I am just so here for it. For what it's worth, look at her hair and tell me that doesn't look like the governor just threw the threw switch. Threw the switch? <laughs> I, I, th- I think that might be right. But that suit, I'd wear that That's thing very right nice. now. I mean, not right now. It'd be a little dressy for our recording session. <laughs> it looks like the um, something that the lady in Beetlejuice would wear. Yeah, uh, which also seems like something she would wear many years later in Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my last 90s thing is them getting back from the contest. They're celebrating. Suzanne and Charlene do the Arsenio Hall fist pump. Was that that? They did it without that, but they did like the little hand motion. Uh, And that was just such a huge, I cannot describe what a big deal Arsenio Hall was at that time. Um, How baked into the culture he was and how like everywhere you turned in pop culture, people were doing that fist pump. So that's my last 90s things. Southern things. The only thing I had was the reference to Decatur, which is a city right here in Atlanta, and that's where the sperm bank was. Okay. Uh, the marshal was from Fulton County. Uh, pretty sure it's Charlene who says, I'd give my eye teeth. I think she's talking about to be on the jury. Then uh, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, obviously, are two pretty big Southern references. And for those interested, they were a part of a sidebar we did in season four, episode five. The larger segment was on Atlanta legacies. How about references that you want to talk about? I don't have any. Okay. My only thing is that Julia called it a public shopping mall. And I thought that was so weird because I thought they were all public. Like a, not a private shopping mall. Um, She's when she's talking about the radio contest and she was like, oh, that I'll have to miss out on the on this contest in a public shopping mall. Anyways, that read, led me down a really big Google hole where I'll just say that there are these, not the Google hole, the Google hole, um, which, which basically looked at like all of these luxury malls around the country. And we're just going to link to that in case y'all want to look at these very high end places that are like nuts and they do lots of really crazy things for their clientele and customers. I still think you can get into the regular part of the mall though, is all I'm Mm. saying. So it just was very weird to me to call it a public shopping mall. Uh, Technically they're also privately owned and the public is welcome to come in, but that's, I don't listen to Julia. I don't even respect her. I don't respect her at all. Uh, and then Mary Jo suggests bill transfer, uh, to hide Charlene from Julia. She said, I hear there's a big base in Greenland. There is. My grandfather was stationed there. So that's just. uh, Somebody has to be, I guess. Somebody has to be. I think that's actually how he felt about it as well. Well, from Mighty Ducks, I know that Greenland is very icy. Iceland is quite nice. That's right. They really switched the old switcheroo there. That's it for me. All right. So next episode, season five, episode five. The Bachelor Auction. We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. TikTok at Sweet Tea TV Pod. You can find us on YouTube at Sweet Tea TV 7371. Our email address is Sweet Tea TV Pod at gmail.com. And our website is www.sweetteatv.com. 
And if you want to support the show, you can always give us a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to the podcast, share us with family or friends, uh, or you can visit the website. There are additional ways to support us from the support us page. And then come back Thursday for extra sugar. We're going to talk about some of the South's most infamous jury trials. Excited for this one. Yeah. It's a little bit sad. Oh, good. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit silly. We're going we're gonna to do the full range of emotions on this one, I think. Okay. I'm I, excited about it. I do like to be taken through the full range of emotions. And you know what that means, Nikki. What does it mean, Selena? It means we'll see you around the bend. Bye. Bye.